Ladies and gentlemen, bad news, appalling news, shocking revelations, unbelievable developments. James Goddard and I will not be hosting our show on Unity News Network tomorrow night. Yes, sadly, we've been cancelled before we even began. But don't you worry, we will find a new home. Fingers crossed we'll do it by tomorrow evening. And I guess this show is going to get even more savage. You cannot silence us. We're too gobby. Anyway, this is obviously because some people want to be friends with everybody, no matter how crooked. Whereas those of us that put Christ first have absolutely no time for these child groomers, woman beaters and rapist defenders. And as if that weren't enough gossip, I'm also in the midst of a war between the Jews. You want to debate about anti-Semitism? Here's the debate. Why do you sit with some of the vilest scumbags on the planet? Nick, I know you're watching this. I'm going to throw you a lifeline to help you escape the disastrous decisions you've made and help you to overcome the prejudice that you have against my people. I'm going to personally invite you to join me and meet some of the Jewish community, meet the survivors of anti-Semitism, meet the people who you endanger with the actions that you've taken, and hopefully there's a positive path through this for you and others like you that make these disastrous decisions as young men and flirt with the far right, ruin their lives and endanger others. Back in December, Joseph Cohen invited me to meet the Jews to cure me of my anti-Semitism. A gracious offer indeed, but I've found my own Jew. Today I'm speaking with Rafi Farber, a religious Jew from Israel who's a vehement and vocal opponent of all lockdown restrictions and runs the channel Endgame Investor. I'm interested to see if he's Jewish enough to keep Joseph and the campaign against anti-Semitism at bay. By the way, I jumped the gun in my last video. My Subscribestar page actually hasn't been activated yet, so just hold on tight and I'll let you know when we're good to go. Always censored, never silent, this is Unwashed. Ladies and gentlemen, as a notorious anti-Semi, I'm exceptionally excited to be sat here today with Rafi Farber. How are you doing, Rafi? I'm doing very well. I'm very happy to be on a on a show with an anti-Semite like you. Really excited. Well, this is it. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm keen to see if there is even a definition for this word. Um, and whether it applies to me. And that is why I spoke to Joseph because I was accused of it. And I just want to, I want to get to the bottom of this. Um, and I discovered you on Unity News Network around the same time that I spoke to Joseph. And it was such perfect timing, because I can't find, I, I can find very little that I disagree with you on. And this even goes quite deep theologically as well. I think when we get right down to the root of it, we might have a disagreement. But it's, I think we agree on the moral state of the world right now so so i'm really interested in this what what's your what was your perspective on joseph cohen and everything that happened there oh okay so i have, I have a lot to say here i'm going to try to cut it down to just a few minutes i don't want to take all your time but i have a i have a lot to say about about people like joseph cohen and um be, really like i don't want to mince words people like him make me sick um, he's a Jew and he's my family and I love him in that way. But like when you're pissed off at your family for being assholes, um, it gets, you, you can get really mad at them. Um, so look, it's, it's, it's like this, like people like him, they make careers out of, um, the Holocaust. Okay. And they try to shut down the, what they call Holocaust denial or look for, anti-Semites or people that just don't like Jews and try to sweep them out from under the rug and say, ah, look, there's one, go attack him and blah, 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 and make a, you know, rah, rah, sis, boom, bah about it. And that's their living. 
So if they can't find it, it's like it's like why why does the Simon Wiesenthal Center exist? Why do Nazi hunters still exist? I mean, there's no more Nazis to hunt. Why does the uh, Anti Defamation League exist? And and they are horrible, horrible people. I mean, all they pretty much want to do is shut down free speech now, which is you know which which leads to Holocaust type situations um, and and. Uh, mass formation psychoses is, was coined by uh what was that uh matthias desmond who coined that term right mm-hmm. and i think uh robert malone also went on uh, went on about it but what um what what joseph cohen is trying to do is look there's there's two kinds there's really two kinds of holocaust denial right there's the holocaust denial that you said that people say um it never happened. Hitler uh, loved the Jews and, you know, they they had tea together and everything was fine and nobody was killed in Germany. And that's just all a lie. OK, so that's ridiculous. Um, and then there are the much worse Holocaust deniers uh, that say basically they make a religion out of this event that happened between 1939 and 1945 and they say this is the holocaust and it is this holy orb that cannot be touched so if you if anyone ever says anything like what is happening now it has any similarity to the holocaust whatsoever you have been ejected from this religion and we are going to shame you and you can never ever say that it can ever happen again but then what is the point what is the point of learning about the Holocaust? What is the point of learning about these events if you cannot say that what is happening, if the point the point is to prevent it from happening again? In order to prevent something from happening happening again, you have to be able to compare it to the present. If you can if you say that it's usher, you that you cannot compare what happened then to the present, that there's no similarity, then you are enabling the Holocaust to happen again. That's exactly what you're doing. And that is Holocaust denial. That's the much worse kind of Holocaust denial, much less cartoonish than saying Hitler and the friends were best friends, Hitler and the Jews were best friends. It's ridiculous. And so uh, one one analogy about what, what Joseph Cohn is doing, right? So it, there's, a, there's a reason to dislike Jews when they are not behaving as they should. Uh, because just aesthetically, it's it's annoying that there are these people on this planet that claim to descend from the people of the Bible and they have all these customs and nobody can seem to get rid of them. And all of Western society stems from them in some way, the Christians, the Muslims, the Baha'i and all everyone down that line, they all come from us. Or at least I claim that. And, and it, it can, it can be annoying as a Christian who, uh, who purports to be the new Israel uh, and that the Jews were rejected. That look, we're still here, and you just can't get rid of us. So it's annoying. I, 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 I'm fine with that. So when when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, uh, setting a moral example for the world, people even even if people resent Jews, they can say, oh look, you know, they're doing the right thing. That I can respect that. But when we're not, it's like it's like there's a house on the block, right? It's it's called the Jew house, and it's supposed to be this amazing mansion of all this 3000 year history starting from the exodus from Egypt and even before that from Abraham and we have this amazing culture and all this stuff and all this law that's behind me that I that, that we that we learn that what comes from Moses purportedly that's what we believe um and and we're and we have this amazing house and like there's a sewage leak in it and it stinks right and then and then so so the the whoever's in charge of the plumbing sends out a bunch of people and they're all covered in shit Right. And they go out and they say, don't don't tell us that we smell bad. We're, you're not allowed to do that. You can't say that. OK. And and then instead of fixing the damn plumbing, they're going out screaming at anyone who says, oh, my God, that house stinks. OK, but you know what? It does stink. It stinks. What Israel has done to the world. And I'm, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about Palestine and Arabs. Forget about that. That's a different issue. OK, I'm talking about what they did with the medical stuff um, and, and setting an example to terrorize your citizens and to segregate them just like the Nazis did, just like they did. You know, it didn't go that far. It didn't. It didn't go that uh, that that har that horribly. At least uh, in the in the, out in the open, they weren't sending us the gas chambers. But there were points in time in this country where in in newspapers I was reading, well, why don't we just keep the unvaccinated in their houses and lock them in their houses and 
totally forbid them from ever going anywhere. That that's fine because it's for safety. I, I was terrified with my with my wife and my kids. I was like, I, I have to hide me out. Like, you know, I'm a paranoid person, but I was really a terrified man. <laughs> um, yeah. And the fact that they led the world down this path and then other countries started following, that was Israel, the Jews doing exactly the wrong, exactly the wrong thing. Um, and we got to deal with that. And I'm trying to clean up the mess. I'm one of the plumbers. And I'm admitting, look, the whole house is covered in shit right now. Ooh. And we got to do something about it. Is that your interpretation of why Israel moved ahead so quickly is because you guys are the leaders of the world? Because to be honest, from an outsider's perspective, I mean, Jew or non-Jew, you were looking at the situation as a whole and thinking this screams of Nazi Germany. And then we were watching Israel in aghast horror uh, going, uh, surely, surely we can make the comparison now. And you couldn't because you were being insensitive then. Um, and you like we you know, we all have to wrestle with the fact that the Holocaust is being used as this untouchable thing. You must never compare anything to it. I'm glad that you came straight out the gate saying that because uh, no Jew benefits from this as a practice. Right. Um, look, um uh, in in my way of looking at the world, Jews are leaders of the world, whether we want to be or not. That was the deal that God made with us that he forced us into. Uh, there are different ways you can read the story, but uh, you know the rabbis say that that at Sinai, and this is a, this is an exegetical read of of um, of of the verses in Hebrew that I'm not going to get into the, the linguistics of it, but God basically took Mount Sinai and put it over our heads and said, if you don't accept this, I'm going to drop it on your heads, you're going to die here. So did that literally happen? No, it didn't literally happen. But the point is we're in this we're in this deal and we are the leaders of the world and we can either lead the world to good or we can lead the world to evil. So that is the situation that we are in. Um, and, and you know, you, we were talking about this earlier, like Jews are overrepresented everywhere in every field. So we are we are the leaders, not of everything. We're bad at sports and other things and other people are, are you know, leaders in other things. Uh, maybe Italians are leaders in cooking. I don't know, like whatever. But but uh look we we, well, we are the leaders I, of the world shall like yeah i'll clear that up very quickly because we chatted about this on email um right. before before doing this call that there's this whole god's chosen people thing and basically a lot of people look on that as like arrogant you know who who are you to say that but the conclusion that I have come to is that the Jewish influence on world history is uh, peculiarly large, yeah. like suspiciously large. Um, and what explanation are you gonna are you gonna come up with? Now that there, there are different interpretations religiously, you know, a Catholic one is probably going to be different to yours, but it kind of rests on the same on the same principle. Um, so, so it's just interesting how how eye to eye we see there because I don't see it as an arrogant proclamation from Jewish people. I actually see it as well. If we observe the pattern, seems to be there. Yeah. Um, so look, uh, if um, I mean, this this comes to another verse in the Bible, right? So so God compared. Um, when, when God said to Abraham, you're going to have a lot of kids. He's like, he said two things. He said, count the stars in the sky. If you can count them, uh, and count the, the number of grains of sand on the beach, if you can count them. So that means either we can be like the stars of the sky or we can be as low as, you know, dirt, hmm. but either way, we're going to be there. Well, okay. So I'll give you a bit of context with the Joseph Cohen situation. As you've said, he's, uh, someone who kind of professionally uses the Holocaust to batter whoever he can find. And, and the thing is, I was shocked that I came up high on his list of targets, because when it comes to this question, I don't really voice a particular opinion on Israel, Palestine, primarily because I'm just like, I consider myself British and concerned with stuff that's going on in Britain and just like, you know, anyone that wants to chat geopolitics, more power to them. That's not really what my brain does. It's not my area. Um, uh, so, but when it comes to Britain, there are two free speech cases which have left my jaw on the floor 
uh, because of the convictions and the underreporting in the media. These are the cases of Alison Shaplow, who went to jail repeatedly for singing songs. Um, like you can call them Holocaust denial songs, but they're basically, yeah, satirical songs. You know, I'm not saying I like crack them on in the evening. I'm just saying, why has someone gone to jail for songs? And then the other example was a woman who made a post in a private Facebook group, or she didn't even make the post. It was like part of a comment thread in a private Facebook group um, that referred to a, a tragic incident as a Jewish sacrifice. Now, again, I don't agree with what she said, and I can see how it would be offensive to people, but she ended up in jail. And this, to me, is like, this is a huge problem. This is a huge assault on free speech. These two women should not have ended up in jail. And also, free speech is a very hot topic in the UK. Lots of people talking about Islamophobia and other things, and there's a war on free speech and Jordan Peterson and whatever. I, I haven't seen fair reporting on these two cases at all. So I'm very interested in them and I vo I follow them very closely. Like I talk to Alison um, and friends and supporters of Tara. In fact, the person that brought Tara's case to my attention is Jewish. So that is my area of interest. Because I am a vocal supporter, if you want to call it that, I don't believe they should have gone to jail, um, that is enough for the campaign against anti-Semitism to have basically declared me a target. And the comments under Joseph's videos are sort of unanimous in, in this regard. And I am flabbergasted because that that is a very mild opinion on the Jewish question, I would suggest. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, you're not going to get coverage of this uh, uh, on uh, on mainstream media, you're just you're just not going to get it because it's a third it's a third rail, right? I mean, you saw what happened to Andrew Bridgen, that uh, that uh, member of Parliament who I I have massive respect for now, and I'm I'm listening to him. I followed him on Twitter, and uh, I even requested an interview. I don't think he's going to give me one, but like, but uh, I, I'm a real big fan of Andrew Bridgen now. Um, he said the word Holocaust and now he's like kicked out of parliament or kicked out of the whip or the party, whatever it is. I don't really understand British politics so much, but, um, look, so you're not going to, I'm going to try to explain this, um, from a, like a, I guess a Jewish religious perspective, which is how I think. Um, but yeah, if you come back to the point where, yeah, we are chosen for the purpose of being a moral compass, that means that whatever moral part of our brain is guiding us, maybe it's a genetic thing, maybe it's a divine thing. I don't know what it is. I don't understand it. I just know that it's here. Um, it, Jews are going to be looking for some kind of meaning in some kind to be a, a moral leader in some way. Now, if you have an atheist Jew who has no connection to the Jewish religion at all, has no connection to halacha, has no connection to, you know, the, the you know, praying for the temple or restoring the commonwealth as it used to be, like in the first and second temple periods, and he has no no ambition for that, uh, no ambition for actually leading the world and bringing God's presence into the world. So, what is his God? He's got to have something that's pushing him to do something that he that in his mind gives him a religion or gives him some meaning. So for many Jews, that is the Holocaust. It, the, Judaism has been uh, hollowed out. I guess that could be a pun. Holocausted mm -hmm. out, hollowed out into just this. There's a thing called Holocaust, and that is my religion. And anyone who approaches it is like the holy temple, and you're not a priest, and get out of here, and we're gonna burn you at the stake or whatever it is. So, uh, I mean, this this has been it's it's been ingrained in european culture and i don't see any way that it can it can get out other than some kind of conflagration or explosion where um people have been so harassed by these anti-free speech laws that they really do lash out at the jews in some scary way well okay so this is why when that happened with andrew bridgen i, I almost breathe a sigh of relief because i think when joseph and his lot come after me and Tara and Allison. 
that's not helping the situation for anyone, particularly Jews. I think that the, you can make a very good case that the, if I really prefer the phrase anti-Jewish bigotry, I think it makes a lot more sense than anti-Semitism. But yeah, you will increase anti-Jewish bigotry if basically this is being done in your name, if people are being persecuted really, really unfairly in the name of protecting Jews, then that's just going to stir up bad feelings towards Jews. But what happened with the Andrew Bridgen thing was it Jew, there weren't any Jews involved in it. And I think that was a good thing. It was like Hancock and Sunak saying, oh, yeah, 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 we must protect the Jewish people from these nasty words. It's like, well, what what are you doing? You're treating Jewish people as like your pet that needs to be, or your little child that needs to be protected. And they weren't I, treating I, us as a pet. They were using us. They were using us to protect themselves from the liability that they are incurring through this whole medical force campaign. Yeah, exactly right. And that's why, for me, like... It's almost a good thing because what they said was so ridiculous. It was so offensive to anyone that understands what's going on. Um, and we know exactly what you're trying to do. And it reveals that tactic. So I, I'm happy with that because I like that stupid tactic of going, oh, my God, you mentioned the Holocaust revealed on quite a big, big stage. Do you know what I mean? Because he's, yeah. he's suing Matt Hancock now. You're aware of this, right? Wait, who's Hancock? No. Oh, Matt Hancock is the guy that called Andrew Bridgen an anti-Semite in the House of Commons, and now Andrew Bridgen is suing him for hundred thousand. Okay, well that's good. So, <laughs> so hopefully that'll go well. Um, man, let's get let's get deep into um, how it was in Israel the last few years and what you've had to put up with. Can you sum it up? Um, what I had to put up with, well. Look at the at the ver at the very beginning of this. I I gave it two weeks to flatten the curve. I gave it two weeks. I was like, okay, look, uh, I I come from you know a very strong libertarian anarchist Rothbardian background, and I kind of broke up with government around the Ron Paul twenty twelve campaign. So I'm predisposed to suspecting anything the government does for the bad. Uh, so when this started, uh, I gave it two weeks to flatten the curve. I I I. I thought masks were stupid. I thought this whole thing was dumb, but I put it, I put it on for about two weeks and then I was like, okay, two weeks, that's it. I'm done with this. And then I, I felt like the, the clutches, like this, this fog of totalitarianism, just like descending on the country. And, and I remember it was, um it was, it was Purim, um, the, the holiday based on the, 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 the Megillat Esther, the book of Esther. Um, it was also about a big anti-Semite who tries to to kill the entire people in the in the Bible in the Book of Esther. Uh, so we usually have a big party and we get drunk on that holiday. So the 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 first lockdowns that was February 2020, and um, and my wife was going out to a to a woman's party, uh, and uh, she never goes out to parties, but she's like she says to me, Rafi, I think this is going to be the last party that we're going to be allowed to go to for a long time. And I want to go and I want to have a good time. I'm like, good, go for it, go. Because I think you're right. Um, and I felt uh, as the the um, the vaccination campaign was continuing, I felt that this, this wasn't going to stop uh, until people died. Um, and th there was, there was, there was a lot, there were lies going on almost on every sphere uh, of all the numbers and, and the, um, I can't even, it's, it like hurts me to try to remember this, but my, my kids, my kids were basically, um, barred from school because on certain days where they, uh, they had to give tet, they had to take tests, um, or CPR, PC, not CPR, PCR tests. I, I told the school I was not going to do it because I'm not part of this. I'm not, you're not going to get any, any inch from me. And, and I sent them to school without the PCR test. And they were, and they were, the, the principal threatened to call the police on me. I said, look, I gave, I gave my kids to you. You're in charge of them now. If you leave them there 
then I'm going to call the police on you. And I basically was like a screening match on the phone. And eventually he gave up, he gave in. I have so many stories of like, um, if I, it, I didn't give them an inch and it gave me like freedom to operate in that territory. Like, uh, I'm, I'm the member of a gym, uh, uh, where I work out and I, I go swimming. And, uh, when they started the green pass, uh, I walked in with my family and I was like, uh, so, and they said, look, you have to take a test. If you don't have the green pass, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not taking the test. I'm just walking in and going swimming. If you want to arrest me, go arrest me. So I walked in with my family into the pool and, uh, and he's, uh, and so he's like, okay, I'm going to call the cops. So I, I like huddled my kids together. I'm like, I don't know if the police are going to come. I don't know, but if they do, we're going to be brave and, and that's it. And then he, he comes to me like half an hour later. He's like, look, I don't want to call the police. Uh, I just want to, I just, you know, I know you're a good customer and uh, you know, just don't advertise here that you didn't take a test and, and we'll be cool. I'm like, okay, cool, good. And then I was able to go in there without a test. So many stories like that where I just refused to do anything and eventually they broke. Um, but uh, the, 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 wor the worst part was seeing all the, all the rabbis and not all the rabbis. There are some, I found some good rabbis that, that are not connected to the state. Basically, this is an entire, the, the entire state of Israel is like a monster that infects everything that its money touches. And they have this whole web of rabbis that get public checks from tax money. And they're, they're basically paid off to like tell people that they have to, they have a, a religious chiv, a religious uh, obligation from the Torah to vaccinate because the Torah stands for saving lives and some, you know, infantile argument like that, which I get from everybody. Uh, and so I, I've known these rabbis were corrupt for many, many years, but to this extent, it didn't shock me, but it, it just, it, it just like grew heavy on my heart. And the only rabbis that that dared to come out against this were ones that did not get a check from the state. That's that's what happened, yeah. more or less. It was exactly the same situation with the C of E over here. I mean, I don't know if you've seen just how bad it is, but like the Archbishop of Canterbury was saying it's your responsibility to get vaccinated. Jesus would have get, got vaccinated. And some of our oldest cathedrals were used as vaccination centers, most yeah. likely on a Sunday and all the rest of it, or all, all sorts. I think they were uh, draping NHS like banners or, uh, or shawls on the altars, which is actually uh, so much of this is blasphemous. It goes beyond like it's exactly what the communists did when they were trying to destroy the church. Right? They they want to, they want to get rid of Christianity and I, look I'm not I have my problems with Christianity but if you're going to have me choose not not me choose I'm not going to choose but if 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 you're going to tell me that there's a there's a state of Christians or there's a state of communists that you know believe that the state is their god versus you know a, a Jewish guy uh, is their god I'd pick the Christians like that's much better. Well, um, we are in a weird situation there, aren't we? Where suddenly everyone who uh, has a faith finds themselves arm in arm with, I, I mean, I don't think there's any atheists on our side, or there's a few, but it's very, very rare that you'll meet, you certainly don't meet any smug atheists in the anti-lockdown thing, if you know what I mean by the sort of new atheist Sam Harris wing. I mean, they're, that's the science. They believe in the science yeah. as it's fed to them. Um, so everybody seems to have, I think people believe in faith because they've confronted the idea of good and evil. Everyone who can see the scandemic for what it is, has had to accept that this is goes beyond politics. And so therefore, every everyone has a faith to some degree, and some of them are uh, attached to a long standing religion. But everyone's disappointed by their religious body, right? Everyone. Um, we yeah. have nowhere to, we have nowhere official to turn. And I wonder what this is going to do because it certainly hardened my faith. Like, I, I mean, I, I presume yours has just been basically 100% the whole way through because you're so learned on um, on your religion. But, or, or has it hardened your faith in the past few years? What, what, what do you mean hardened? Well, like, um, it's because we are actually confronted with the reality of good and evil. I find that sort of religious teaching, it matters more than it did five years ago. I feel like this is the only lens to view this through. If you're not 
talking. Yes, this this is yes, this is this is definitely good and evil. Um, but it's you have to have a sense for it. Yeah, I guess, guess there's like some kind of a moral sense. I mean, it, it, this is what this is what we were educated in school. I have these conversations with my wife. I'm like, were we the only ones who were paying attention? Like, you you can't you can't force people to put something in their body that they don't want. Like, what happened to human rights? What the hell is going on? And and then everyone's like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're saying. And then, uh, but. <laughs> It's like, how do you explain this basic good and evil to people that don't have an automatic sense for it? I don't even know what to say to people anymore. It's so obvious. Well, this is the key with the Holocaust, isn't it? It's like for all that education, that didn't work as an inoculation. It should have worked. Well, it it didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Um, Because the Holocaust happened. Okay. Okay. Six six million Jews were killed, maybe five million, maybe seven million. I don't know what the number is. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, but something really, really bad happened, and it wasn't stopped. Nobody stopped it. But this whole thing did happen. This whole uh, medical tyranny happened. But but it took us a while to uh, come to terms with what was going on. But quickly we started making connections with other people and we did we stopped something it stopped okay um and some people who did have holocaust education like myself we did immediately see what was going on um some people it took longer uh, i was very quick other people it took a few months maybe some people even they even after after becoming um pro pro vaccination uh they quickly realized after the, you started seeing the first breakthrough cases that you know maybe this isn't maybe this is a bad and they they turned around so we did stop it um we didn't stop there's there's more to come I, i'm it's not over but but holocaust education at least it did accomplish something for me um because i was taught to look at these patterns and i found them and i started screaming <laughs> to my family who all thought i was crazy but 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 it stopped I hope I hope we were responsible for at least some of that break. Well, when you were describing the situation, you said now it didn't get that bad. And I was just thinking back to um, obviously you guys were further ahead in all this and all your restrictions were worse than ours. Um, and there was no sign that it was stopping at any point. At that point, when we were living through it, there was there was no sign that this was just going to fade away at any point. So you're absolutely right to to presume that it could go as far as that again and act accordingly. Um, has the tide turned in Israel in terms of the wider population? Because over here, it feels a bit, a bit like no one wants to look at, at it or think about it. That's pretty much what's happening here. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to think about it. Um, everyone wants to say, like, for example, like my, my wife was uh, was uh, fired from her job. Uh, she was a, an English uh, professor lecturer at the, the community college over here. And they, she refused to do the PCR tests and she refu- uh, obviously refused to vaccinate. Uh, so they let her go. And then and then uh, so like, you know, for example, like these offhanded comments, like drop it. We drop our daughter off at uh, at the, the preschool and someone says, oh, you know, why aren't you at uh, at Oholo at this community college anymore? She's like, well, I got fired because I didn't want to submit to mandates. And she's like, well, what are you talking about? That doesn't happen. I don't know what you're saying. Like it just just denial right to the face. Let any of this ever happened. So the, no, nobody wants to be confronted with how they just behaved. It's sort of like it's sort of like these people are not really there. They weren't there before and they weren't there during and they're not there now it's like it's like so like i remember as a kid these like feelings of when i had these like extended family brunches and all these people of like i see them and they're talking to me but i don't really i don't feel like any of them are actually communicating they're just like in some kind of other wavelength where they're all talking about the most uh superficial forms of culture and whatnot that mean nothing to me but now that now that's that's when they have benign programming these people and the like they're not out to attack you 
But then all of a sudden, some kind of fear virus comes into their heads from all of the media and, it, and all the plugs that they're plugged into. And, and they become virulent and they don't even realize what they're doing. And then you re, like you have to just kind of like hunker down and say, OK, these people are all crazy now and I have to just hide away and and and, and find the people that can talk that are actually conscious that have some kind of a spirit or a soul that I can communicate with and get together as much as we can and keep each other sane, <laughs> which is what I was doing when I was fighting. I wasn't like, I wasn't talking to these people that clearly had no consciousness of what was going on. I was trying to reach out and find any other, anybody else who could hear me. <laughs> and I found some people. Absolutely. I went down to all the protests when they started kicking off in 2021, because I live near enough to London that I could just do that all the time, all the time. Um, because what the hell else am I going to do? You know, it's crunch time and I need to find the people that get it. I was so isolated during that, the, the top priority. And and now, like, I have a job where plenty of people there are vaccinated. But by and large, I don't really get confronted with people. I don't, I don't I'm not in circles with people that um, think different to me anymore. I don't really spend any of my time in conversation with them. And like that is partially by choice, but I also think this was part of the plan was to drive society apart. That was just a huge part of what was going on. There's so many levels to, yeah, they wanted to get a needle in everyone, but they also wanted everyone to fight so it is a bit tragic that i i don't have any contact with anyone that i could basically shake awake anymore look i understand exactly what you're saying i have the same situation here i've lost pretty much my entire family not my family my wife and my kids thank god were intact um but i i've lost touch with my parents um i i've lost my brother my sister i'm i'm okay with because she didn't go out and attack me but she's not really there um, so yeah, I've, I've lost, I've lost a lot of people, but I've, I've also gained a lot of, I've also gained a lot of people that I have like real respect for. And all these suspicions that I had, uh, until 2020, that a lot of people are just, they're not, they're not here. Um, now you see what happens when you attack someone whose soul is not really on this planet and he's, it, it's kind of like dead. Um, but, uh, I wouldn't look, uh, as pessimistic as I'm sounding, I'm very, I'm an, I'm a very optimistic person. And that's, it's because of, it's because of my faith, um, because of my Judaism, I, I, I see that there we've Holocaust like this have happened before, whether Holocaust of ideas or Holocaust of people, it's a bad word, you know, just, just people going nuts and, um, and society eating itself alive. That happens all the time. It, and and we happen to be living through one of those periods now. We don't know where it's going to develop. But in the end, like in every good versus evil novel, movie, play, whatever, it's always the evil that consumes itself. And it's the same thing that's going to happen here. The question is, are we going to be able to protect ourselves from it? Are we going to be burned up in the fire of the self-consuming society that is quickly coming to an end? And hopefully we can build something better, um, which is what I think, what I hope the Jews are doing here in Israel and why God brought us back here after so many thousands of years, because we should be here that when all the crap is cleared out, whoever's left can build something that makes some sense. Fascinating. So yeah, cause um, there seems to be a sense of inevitability at this point. I mean, I just see all of this and all of these globalist projects as essentially a tower of Babel situation where like, God decreed that it would be a certain way and you're kind of spitting in his face here. It's not going to work. Um, it's been tried before every single time the tower collapses and it fails. And, and like, I, you know, I, I came to terms with that a couple of years ago and it does look as if our job is to get on with building stuff in our own sort of silos outside of this, horrible system which is about to collapse um and you know the people that are still in it still believing it they're going to have a very horrible time when it collapses but at least we will have already started moving on protecting ourselves that's basically where i'm at now yeah yeah and uh you know i struggle with the thought like if the system really did collapse 
you know, I, I have vegetables growing in my backyard and I have some chickens in my backyard, but like, am I really going to be able to protect myself? Probably not. And uh, I have to rely on on God protecting me and my family. And that's pretty much all I can do. So I, I'm a prepper in that sense that I, I'm trying to do things that make sense, but I can't, I can't like dive myself into, you know, building an arsenal of weapons or anything like that. I can't do that. I can't really uh, learn horticulture and and how to like, you know, hunt animals in a wilderness. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. So I just hope that whatever's left is enough to uh, restart a society that uh, can, you know, rebuild itself with some consciousness. Well, I, I think it's much more important to have a good network of connections and yeah. people that understand this rather that like that is better than having your hut in the woods with with all your foraging skills and <laughs> going, having skin a squirrel and all that. I think just knowing a lot of people that are going to be thinking the same way that you are, that's that's the way through. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the advantages of the fact that like. I, I still find myself constantly obsessed, not in not in like a terrified way that I was uh, in 2021 or something, but just it, but every day I'm looking for more people and you're one of them. I found you. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, that, that it's my priority to build more connections with these types of people. And when 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 somebody says to me, you know, Rafi, it's, it's over. Can't you get over it and move on with life now? I, I say, no, 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 I can't because you've changed me for the rest of my life. I'm never going to get over this. And I have to keep finding the people who understand what happens because I know they're in the same situation. I know that they know that the acute part of this is over, but it's not over. And we have to maintain our connections and, and continue our, our society building from within society. Because when this whole thing falls, we're going to be the only ones left. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, off the back of the last three years, I am, yep, taxation is theft. Is that where you sit? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Like, I think I flitted around at other ideas prior to 2020 because, you know, the left's gone all horrible, so I guess I'm right-wing now or whatever. But basically, no, the state is my enemy. The state is absolutely my enemy. And certainly looking now, I can't see how a single bit of tax money is properly spent half our money half our tax money goes to the nhs which is actively killing people it's shortening the lifespan of the people in my country so i hate tax and now we're going to move on to like your area you know when we talk about the collapse the the, the collapse is way overdue isn't it the economic collapse oh what's overdue it's it's not any of for, it's not up to any of us to decide what's overdue um you know there's a there's a saying in uh in Judaism like god 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 determines who's in charge of the world and you, you can't really you can't really uh, appoint a king it's 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 up to god to do that so when when is this whole thing really going to fall we don't know all we could do is be ready for it and see the signs uh, but, uh, look, what my, my thinking is that when the, when the dollar falls, everything falls with it, uh, because the, the basically the, the entire power structure of all governments, we call the dollar, the reserve currency. And it, it is in the sense that every other, well, it, the, the way I explain this is, is the entire economy, since now we are really in a globalized economy, where all countries uh, trade together in a in a globalized system uh so there is a there is a base to it and <clears throat> since you cannot have a price what what keeps people from eating each other alive is a price system right the the fact that you can wake up in the morning and know how much you have to work and how much you have to spend in order to survive the next day or whatever your goals happen to be uh that keeps you from you know, killing your neighbor and taking his food. Because if you had no idea what you had to do or or how much you had to spend or what the prices were of anything, it would be a zombie apocalypse. It would be the breakdown of the division of labor. So that price system, there, there's no such thing as fiat money in the sense of a government can't come up with a currency out of nothing and say, 
well, this costs that and that costs this and, and it's all going to be in our currency because it always has to attach itself to what was the day before. The way you understand how much work you have to do is because you wake up in the morning and you remember what it was yesterday. So everything goes back into the past, everything. And the fact that 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 um, that the dollar was born out of a gold substitute, that mo the monetary system in the United States started as silver and then it moved to gold, which itself was a was a theft of the middle class because the middle class money was was silver and then they moved to gold, which is the rich people's money. So that that the, the move from a silver standard to a gold standard was a move uh, to rob the the middle class of their wealth and give it to the rich. But that's another thing. Um, <clears throat> so when the when the the reserve currency of the dollar when that falls. Uh, there can be no return to any other currency because every other currency is based on the dollar. So in in a in a in a minor hyperinflation like let's say in Zimbabwe or even Weimar, um, you can have uh, people in that country or Venezuela going to the dollar or to the euro to function, right? And they can still have a price system based in dollars or euros. But when the dollar itself collapses, there is no other currency to go to. You have to go back to physical gold. And, and what I'm hoping is that we can convince people um, to uh, people on our side that understand what is happening medically, that understand what's happening spiritually in the world, though they might not understand money. What they, the basic thing that they have to understand is that the source of all of this power, of all of it, of the, the tyranny of whatever tyranny type you can imagine, the, the source of their power is the ability to take their money substitute that they inflate over the gold supply and give it to somebody who can then buy things with it. They, whether it's their thugs, their, their policemen, uh, their NHS guys, the doctors that they pay, wh whatever it is. Once the currency falls, everyone has to fall back on their actual talents to provide real value to people. So if we can convince our people that understand what's going on to stack physical gold and silver or whatever they can afford in a safe way, we can hollow out the rest of this corrupted monetary system and have every and, and accelerate the fall. It's a race. We're going to win the race. The only question is how many casualties are there going to be before we win? And the faster that we can accumulate gold and silver physically in whatever vault or safe place that you can put it wisely. Don't go into debt to do this. Don't do it. Don't do it crazily. But, you know, percentage of your income every month. The faster we can do this, the faster we can cause that final collapse to come and freeing the world. Awesome. I mean, I'm really, it's not just that I'm taken with this idea. I kind of know that you are right about this. It's not really a belief at this point. Pretty much from having watched things play out, I believe that we are in a war between an artificial reality and an organic reality. And a really interesting feature of that over the past few years has been crypto, because there were so many people flogging crypto in the awakened communities. And then it kind of became a meme where every Telegram group is just full of like, I don't know, whatever the Trump shitcoin is. But I would say the majority of people uh, who were awake to the lockdown nonsense were looking at crypto and I was recommended it and I met a guy who who was living off his NFT sales and stuff and and I had a bit of Bitcoin for a bit and watched it grow and then I actually spent it and then it and then it crashed but the the lesson for me has been and, and also I take a look at gold and silver and like what's what's the logic behind buying gold and silver well throughout all of history it's been stable, right? Throughout all of these things that have happened before, gold and silver seems to survive. I don't, I don't even know how, I don't have to know why that is the case. I think there's something quite magic about it, um, but it is the case. So yeah, I'll go with that. And then the watching what's happened with crypto, sort of, it, no one wants to even talk about just how on the crypto train they were. They've gone silent. And I think it's because gold and silver is physical. Crypto, what was that? That was nothing. Okay. Wasn't it? So uh, my my, fe my feelings about crypto, and I've, I've spoken about this a lot, um, but I'll, again, again, I'll put it in religious terms. Um, so look, the technology itself, I have no problem with it. It should be legal. People can buy it and sell it, whatever. It's not money. 
it's it, temporarily it is a dollar substitute because going back to that chain where you cannot just establish prices out of nothing, you have to index it to the past. When crypto started, when Bitcoin started, how did you know what it could buy? Well, somebody started an exchange rate with dollars and said, I'll give you uh, this many dollars for that much Bitcoin or whatever. And from there, you have the first exchange. And the, the thing is, like, when the dollar does collapse and it will collapse, there is a chain. It goes, do it goes gold, dollar, Bitcoin. There is no such thing as a society with uh, no exchange rate between its currency and gold being able to buy anything. Right, you cannot you can't you cannot buy anything with a currency that has no exchange rate with gold. It's 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 impossible. Once once you cannot buy any amount of physical gold with a currency, you cannot buy anything with it. So even if Bitcoin goes to a trillion dollars, if when the exchange rate between gold and the dollar goes to infinity because there's no more physical gold to be exchanged for dollars because there it just doesn't work anymore, then so Bitcoin's a trillion dollars. So what? Like, what can you buy with a Bitcoin if the dollar is dead? The dollar is the link between gold and Bitcoin. Now, is it possible that that Bitcoin could become a gold substitute? I guess it's possible. And I guess it's worth a speculation in case that does happen. But then I would say just like, why don't you just have a gold black gold back blockchain? Mm -hmm. uh, that That's much simpler. The blockchain is fine. But now, now to get to the religious point, right? So the, the purpose of the existence of the Jewish people is to to uh, further or to be the fulcrum point of a, a global war against uh, idolatry. Now, what is idolatry? Like, what 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 is this stupid idea where somebody says, "Oh, like there's a statue of whatever, and I'm going to bow down to it, and then my crops will grow"? Or something like, is that God? Like, what what the hell are they doing? It's it's stupid. How did this happen? Okay, so. Uh, the uh, Maimonides, he's uh, up in the right corner there. You can't see it. So he codified all of Jewish law into fourteen books. And in the first, in the first law of his uh, laws against idolatry, he goes into this like historical um, development of how idolatry happened. Okay, so he says uh, it started. It started when this guy Enosh, who's in the Book of Genesis, he had this idea. Okay, God created the stars. So uh, the stars are God's helpers and they're, they're celestial bodies. They have power. You could imagine that makes sense for someone who's looking at them and so like shiny things in the sky. They must be magical. And he says, okay, so let's, let's, let's uh, ask the stars for favors um, because the stars are, are God's servants. And then God will, will uh, do what the stars ask him. Right. So it's, it's a derivative, right? The, the first move in idolatry is a derivative of the ultra, the ultra spiritual existence with his, which is God himself. The stars are a little bit more physical than that, right? And then what what happens is some guy says, you know, the stars are too they're too far away. So let's make a form of the star and put it in this temple and make like an orb, you know, a little a circle, and we'll bow down to that orb, and then the star will know that we're honoring that star, and and then the star will ask God for favors, and all crops will grow. It's another derivative. It's more physical, right? And then and then what happens is generations later, you have kids that are walking into these temples where people are bowing down to these statues of whatever that and they don't understand the original connection to god and they're like oh i guess that that statue's god and they start bowing down to it and they lose the connection they have no idea that there is one god in the first place right so in the in in the religious derivative chain you start from spiritual you go to more physical you go to even more physical and then you end up worshiping statues okay mm -hmm. so in in the monetary sphere it's the exact opposite Exact opposite. You start with gold, which is very, very hard physical stuff. And then what do you move to? You move to paper. Paper is still physical, but it represents the gold. It's not exactly as hard. And then what do you do? You start inflating the paper and you start making digital or or or, or entry, data entry uh, uh, data about how much uh, of supposedly physical paper dollars you have in your bank account called deposits. And then what do you do that? You issue debt over those deposits. And then you issue more deposits and then you start pyramiding on top of that. And then what do you have on top of that? You have derivatives and options, blah, blah, blah. And then on top of all of that, you got Bitcoin. Okay. So it, go, it, it goes more and more and more spiritual every time you make another derivative and it's less and less tied to what is actually there. And then eventually this whole thing collapses and the, the, all the value that people thought they had, they don't have, which is, which, so idolatry is really the crossing 
of the physical and the spiritual realms in ways that are not kosher. You should not be doing it. Okay. There's a spiritual realm and there's a physical realm. And we as human beings, we're both physical and spiritual beings. And we always struggle with that, with trying to keep those in balance and trying to figure out where is the point we're supposed to be hammering away at or existing in. We don't know. And that, that causes the torture in our souls. So the advice is don't cross them. Uh, Bitcoin is not money. <laughs> it's a derivative of a derivative of derivative. The money is gold. Go for that. And if you want to speculate on Bitcoin, do it, but don't accumulate it as if you think you're going to outsmart the the totalitarians by doing that. Just look at Sam Bankman-Fried. I mean, just well, give me a break. <laughs> I, I think that, I think the kicker with Bitcoin is like I can't use it for anything. So you can you can talk to me all day about how it's on a blockchain and like and non-fungible tokens and oh, it's got. Um, well, uh, I forget the terms. I can't even be bothered to remember them anymore. But basically. If I've got some Bitcoin on my phone, whatever that means, mm -hmm. can I get anything with it? No, you can't use it anywhere. And and if we're at this point in the collapse where people are like, no, get your Bitcoin, you, I, it's still unusable. Um, but also what you said about like idolatry as a whole, I mean, that's that touches everything now, whether it's like woke capitalism, you know, people loving their Nike shoes and then Nike telling them that black lives matter uh, or what's happened with the NHS in our country. That Did you know about the clapping and all of this? We had religious ceremonies for our state healthcare provider. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Every Thursday during the first few weeks and as we went into lockdown, everyone was expected to go on their front doorstep and clap at 8 p.m. for hospitals. What is this, North Korea? Yep, exactly right. Exactly right. And Nigel Farage did that, and he's supposed to be our sort of main... Oh, he's he our Trump huh? figure, right? And he was... Really? He, Nigel Farage clapped for the NHS? He did. He did. Oh. He banged a pan. <laughs> it was sickening. Um God. But no, you said earlier that you're an optimist and I'm an optimist because um, it felt so dark two years ago, you know, it, because this was just getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't see that. I see a lot of horror that needs dealing with. But as you said, I think the acute bit is gone. And no matter what happens, like we will have found each other. So you'll never end up that isolated again. Um I say it very seriously, like they can't make me as lonely as I was at the end of 2020 ever again, no matter what they do. Um, and I think that we are all in that position. I hope so. Um, I mean, I could imagine things that they would do. They could put me in solitary confinement or uh, they, they, I'm not worth it to them. So <laughs> they're not going to do that to me. Um, but yeah, look, we found each other. Um, it's 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 very encouraging. And um, I just hope I can... Uh, I can do my job over here. I'm not exactly sure what it is. And you do your job over there and uh, meet somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we just keep chatting, keep having conversations, keep putting the truth out as much as we can. Because that's all it is, isn't it? It's the rising of truth as far as I can see. There's people have been speaking out and revealing stuff about all sorts since the start of 2020. It's not It's not just related to COVID and that. There's, there's just, I mean fitting into your religious framework is that what you believe is happening some kind of like awakening or un well a revelation or the apocalypse where, where do you think we are i don't know um look I, I have i have my thoughts that keep me going do i know that they're right i don't know that they're right um but uh, look i i see i see you i see history in from a jewish perspective like I believe that we are the people of the Bible and that and that God told us that he would never kill us all and we would always have a remnant. And then at some point he would bring us back to our land, which it seems that he did. And I, I don't think the state of Israel per se is part of that. I think that's just, you know, a, a corruption. Um, but uh, most Jews in the world are now in Israel. And I think that has historic implications for the entire Western world. And I think the fact that that this is happening for the first time since the first temple period, not even in the Roman period where most Jews in the world in Israel. Um, this is the first time since I think the time of Solomon 
before the you know before the the, the northern kingdom split off the ten tribes split off from Judah which is why we're Jews because we're the only tribe left um it's the first time since then uh and the fact that that western civilization appears to be in its death throes at this specific time I don't think is a coincidence maybe it is maybe I'm making it up um but uh I'm here and I'm I'm awake and uh and I hope I hope I'm in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> so just before we go just to check as a non-jew am, am i allowed to be interested in the jewish influence in world history and all that or does that make me that doesn't make me a bad person who needs to be sent to jail uh no probably death sentence would be more appropriate <laughs> <laughs> it's been awesome to chat today man thanks for this yeah thanks for having me